Hey everyone, this is Shanoa Alamu. I am your host for today's episode of Black, White, and In Color. Um, I believe this is episode five, I think. I have to go back and check, but I think it's episode five. And boy, it has really, really been an interesting ride so far. I just, again, want to thank everyone for your support and for listening and tuning in and also and especially for your feedback. I always welcome feedback and would love to hear from you as to what topics you would love for me to talk about. Um, I try to cover topics that affect our everyday lives and, you know, things that could threaten to, to tear us apart and also things that will help us to just be better human beings in general. So my last episode, I talked about R. Kelly, um, specifically the backlash or the feedback that was garnered from the docuseries Surviving R. Kelly and just what I still find to be quite baffling, um, the level of support that he is still getting Um, There is some good news. Um, I live in the state of Illinois. I live in central Illinois. And apparently he was scheduled to come here for a concert and Illinois said no. (laughs) Hashtag mute R. Kelly. So I am very grateful to know that um, his presence wasn't welcomed here. And um, I know Red Table Talk, which is hosted by Jada uh, Pinkett Smith, her beautiful daughter Willow, and Foxy Mom, um, whom they affectionately call Gammy, um, has also talked about this um, topic and has had a survivor or two on their show. Again, I personally haven't watched it. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, I just can't bring myself to watch it. And maybe I will. Um, Maybe I will. Um, And then I also talked about Centoya Brown, um, who has served or was serving 15 years um, and was to serve at least 51 years um, before the possibility of parole for killing her um, her uh, kidnapper or um, the man whom she was um, under siege by or had been trapped by, kidnapped by. Uh, she was a human traffic victim, a sex trafficking victim, and killed him and was looking at 51 years before the possibility of parole. She has now been granted clemency uh, by the governor of Tennessee, which is awesome news. She is set to be released August 7th of this year. Um, However, she will be on a 10-year probation period and won't, quote-unquote, be officially free until August 7th, 2029. So I did talk about what that entails. Um, So be sure to listen more in-depth to that episode. And as usual, I like to dive right in. And today I want to talk about uh, relationships with narcissists. Um, I have to admit this one is personal for me. Um, 
I was married to a narcissist and also have family members um, who are narcissists. So this is very personal for me and I just want to talk about it, shed light on it, perhaps tell what it is, um, how to recognize a person who is a narcissist. It's very tricky. Um, I was reading over some information um, through Mayo Clinic as well as um, this guy named Bill Eddy who is a licensed uh, social worker, a licensed counselor, um, and it's just very tricky to really know whether or not you are indeed getting involved or involved, um, even married to a narcissist, because a lot of the traits um, that they say are narcissistic behavior traits can really apply to any one of us. Um, for example, with Bill Eddy, he goes by, he says that there are three ways to spot a narcissist um, using the web method, W-E-B method. And he basically, it means you listen to their words, um, you pay attention to your emotions, and you also watch their behavior. So words, emotions, behavior, W-E-B. So I thought it was interesting that for words, he said, you know, to watch out for somebody who is um, extremely positive in their words, meaning they're seductive in their words, you know, um, which is probably most commonly heard from in men. You know, when a man tells you, that you're beautiful, you know, I've never met anyone like you, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. You know, he he says that those are words coming from a person who might be a narcissist. And that can be scary because, I mean, what man, especially when they're first interested in you, what man would not um, use those lines, so to speak, to try to get your attention? So I'm not sure... Me personally, I'm not sure if those uh, particular words are necessarily those of a narcissist. Um, I would look for other things, uh, which I will talk about in a minute, that would pinpoint um, a narcissist. Um, but let me talk about what a narcissist is. You know, what is narcissism? And according to the Mayo Clinic, Narcissism is a personality disorder that requires a medical diagnosis. Uh, treatment can help, but this condition can't be cured. and can last for years or be lifelong. Uh, as I mentioned before, it is found more commonly in men. The cause is unknown, but likely involves a combination of genetic and environmental factors. There are fewer than 200,000 U.S. cases per year. The age group that is mostly affected by this personality disorder are ages 19 to 40. So again, this is just what the Mayo Clinic had to say about it, which again, I find very interesting because in my personal experience with narcissists, they don't know they're narcissists. <laughs> so my first thing is if this 
personality disorder requires a medical diagnosis, well, if an if a narcissist indeed doesn't know that they're a narcissist, then how are they even gonna know to go and get help and get a medical diagnosis? So, um, and then one of the treatment plans for a narcissist is talk therapy. So again, how, like I said, in my personal experience with narcissists, they don't even know it. You can talk to them to their blue in the face. They don't see it. They don't get it. They don't own up to it. Um, I call it having a blind spot in your soul. They just do not get it. And so I don't know how a person um, who is a narcissist would even get help, um, but by the help of God. And to be honest, <laughs> I kind of I I often wonder if he can even help. And I'm I'm just being honest. Um, so yeah, it's a personality disorder, and according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, otherwise known as the DSM-5. Um, here are some of the things that um, you can look for or you can begin to notice um, upon meeting, maybe not so much meeting, but definitely if you're in a relationship um, with a narcissist, um, they have a grandiose sense of self. Um, they believe that they're the bee's knees. They just believe they are the best thing since sliced bread. Um, extremely arrogant. I mean, extremely arrogant. Um, they believe they are special, which means the rules don't apply to them. Um, if you're, if, if this narcissist, narcissistic person is a man, for example, and you know, obviously they're in a relationship with a, with a woman. Um, I want to use a heterosexual, um, example. Um, you know, they may accuse their female partner of cheating or flirting, um, and may of course want to keep tabs on her behavior. Um, but yet they're cheating, they're flirting. So, you know, what the rules that they set for other people, um, those same rules do not apply to them. And yeah, so I have firsthand knowledge and experience with that. Um, they demand admiration. Um, I know in my own personal experience with my ex, um, he's not that tall, <laughs> but yet when he walked in the room, it's, it's difficult to explain, but the, the best way I can explain it is that when he walked into a room, his energy just took over the whole room. And I remember um, feeling and being overwhelmed and depressed. Um, he carried such an oppressive um, spirit or energy with him. He commanded the room just by walking in. I had never in my life um, really experienced anything like it to that magnitude. Um, they lack empathy. They just, they just lack the ability of putting themselves in somebody else's shoes. If they themselves 
have not experienced a specific thing, um, then they have a very difficult time. And I believe, again, just really lack the ability to empathize with anybody else. Um, and then they also take advantage of others. They see people as pawns to be used um, to perhaps get to the next level on their job um, or just to, you know, in a relationship, just to save face or to look good no matter what. You know, they always have to look good. They always have to be you know, number one, they take no responsibility for their own actions, their own behaviors, um, their own words, uh, the pain they may cause other people. Um, it's always somebody else's fault. I mean, and when I say always, always somebody else's fault, there's always a reason why they, um, didn't get that job or didn't get that girl, um, you know, because it's always somebody else's fault. They, they, you know, they just don't see how great I am or, um, so, you know, it's very, very difficult living with someone, um, who, who is a narcissist. Um, me personally, I, didn't feel like I had a voice. I didn't feel like I mattered. Um, I didn't feel like I was important. Um, if anything was done for me, the only reason it was done for me is because he wanted to do it for me. Not because I asked, not because he was willing to sacrifice his time um, because he worked a lot, he was very ambitious, um, holds a pretty high position um, on his job even now. And so, you know, if, if there was anything he wanted to do for me, it was because he wanted to do it. And, and that's another sign of a narcissist. Anything they do, um, it always points back to them. They have the, the only motive in which they will do something to you or for you, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, it always, it's always because they are the center still. The, the motive is still them. Um, I have a special person in my life who told me about, um, you know, his ex-wife and how she wanted to, you know, serve him, you know, serve him dinner, serve him the meals or, or just be the one to to be of service to him and he was not comfortable with that um, just some people just aren't comfortable receiving from others in that manner and she would get upset you know she would get highly upset at him because again she was making it about her instead of her seeing well you know he he's not comfortable in this way let me find another way to please him or to serve him, you know, she just got, just got mad because she felt robbed, you know? Um, so I hope that makes sense. But again, it's just, they're the center. They're always the center. Um, so back to this, um, statistical manual of mental disorders, um, the DSM-5 suggests that up to 6.2% of the adult 
population may have this disorder, which I think is kind of small. Um, but yeah, I if if you find yourself in a relationship with this type of disorder and for whatever reason you're not able to leave or get out, um, maybe children are involved, maybe you are married to a narcissist and from hearing um, what I just said, you, you realize, oh my God, I'm married to a narcissist. Um, what you can start doing is practicing personal boundaries. So here's some, here's some steps or some things you can do, some action steps that you can take right now um, to deal with or, or begin to make your existence with this person um, better. First of all, um, if you can leave, I suggest you leave um, because people who are narcissists, again, they don't realize it. Again, you can talk to them about this till they're blue in the face and they just won't get it. They do not change. I really hate to break it to you. Um, they do not change. And I think the best thing to do is, is to leave because I found just in my situation, the longer I stayed, um, the more I lost myself, the more I lost my voice, the more I lost my soul. It's very soul crushing to be in a relationship with a narcissist, especially if you are an empath and empaths and narcissists for some reason tend to find each other. And so that's something else to consider. If you find that you are an empathic person, um, it's not necessarily a Christian term, but an empathic person is a person who soaks up the energies of others, their pains, their burdens. Um, you can, you can feel what other people are feeling. Like literally you can feel, you can sense what other people are feeling. You can share in the burdens, um, of other people. Um, you can, um, trying to see how else to describe this, but if for some reason, empaths and narcissists, um, that's a relationship gone wrong. Um, so again, if you are an empathic person, please be on the watch that you are likely to attract um, a narcissist. But back to action steps that you can take to um, set yourself free is to make a clean break. Okay, that of course, that would be the ideal but if by chance you can't do that, then start to um, practice personal boundaries, which can be difficult for an empath because you have such feelings for people who are in pain and who need help that you really do want to help the people in your life heal and to change and to be better. However, if you are trying to do this with an impact, I'm sorry, with a narcissist, um, you're going to lose. Um, like I said, it's very soul crushing. So what you would have to do is start to put up boundaries, really think about where you start and where you end, where is the line for you 
to say enough is enough. You can no longer, you know, humiliate me in public like you have before. I know I will no longer accept um, this behavior from you. I will no longer accept um, being talked to in this manner. I will no longer accept, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever your personal boundaries up. So practice those boundaries. It's going to take some time. It's going to take, again, practice, especially if you haven't been doing this. Um, the narcissist is going to be surprised. The narcissist is going to um, fight back. You're going to get a reaction from this person uh, because they have gotten away with treating you um, horribly all these years. So either they're going to keep doing what they're doing or they're going to adjust. Again, my personal experience is that they don't adjust. And so you end up having to make some type of a clean break anyway. But like I said, I can't tell you how to conduct yourself in your personal relationships, especially if you're married. You know, that that can really be tricky. So personal boundaries, um, go and get therapy, go and get individual counseling and therapy for yourself um, to even start to ask yourself, how you ended up with a narcissist to begin with. Um, they know somehow who to target. You know, if you have low self-esteem, low self-worth, don't think much of yourself. Um, I know for me, that was my case. I also had very little experience uh, with the opposite sex just due to my um, church upbringing. You know, I was taught that you don't date casually, you know, you date to marry, you wait on God to, you know, tell you the one. And I don't know how you're supposed to know a person is the one if you don't date them first. But I was just told that, you know, you don't date, you, you do date to marry, but you don't date casually, if that makes sense. So I was a target. Uh, I was bored with my life, low self-esteem, I was very naive, vulnerable, green, however you want to, you know, describe me at the time. Um, I was I had set out to be a virgin until I got married. Thank God I, I set out to do that. But that just lets you that just paints a picture of how naive I was. And so he said all the right things. Um he was getting his doctorate. He, you know, he, he looked the part. He sounded the part. Um, but it really wasn't until I was at least a year, um, year and a half, almost two years into the relationship, um, married at this point, that I really began to see him um, for who he really was. And by that time, I felt trapped um, because uh, my daughter was very young and I just thought I could deal with it. You know, I stood before God and and um, set my vows before God and before my family, uh, took my vows seriously. And so I just figured, you know, again, with the help of God and in prayer and, and focusing on myself and and whatnot, you know, making sure that I was being the best wife that I could be and um it just got to a point where 
it just wasn't working. And so, so he left and, you know, although it was a mutual decision for him to do so, it was still, you know, very painful. Um, because again, it was my first kind of real relationship, so to speak. So anyway, I don't know if any, if there's anything else really to be said. Um, I know that I was always taught in church that prayer changes things or that people can change. Um, but I, I just have to be honest and, and maybe somebody can, can shoot me a message or send me a message or say something otherwise, but I have yet to find a narcissist who can change. And, and these are people, um, one person who in particular, who is a Christian, you know, professes Christ as her Lord and, and savior. And yeah, it's just, <laughs> So anyway, I hope this episode has been informative um, and eye-opening for you. Um, Of course, there is resources out there. Um, Google is there to assist you to find out more about this um, personality disorder disorder. so if any if, if anyone out there finds themselves in this situation, I, I wish you the best. I really do. Um, like I said, set boundaries, get individual counseling, and if those things don't work, leave. You'll have to make a clean break. You'll have to possibly change your number because um, they don't give up easily either. You know, change your number. Um, move as far away from, from this person or individuals, you know, if you can and put your soul back together as best you can. So with that being said, I am going to read cause this, 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 I, today's, I finally did it story, um, touches on relationships. Um, this young lady wants to be, um, anonymous. I told her that I would respect that, that I would honor that. So I'm just going to read her story. Um, She says, if you're a tall and skinny young lady, then you have most likely heard these five words at least once in life. You should be a model. Such was the case for me growing up. However, despite hearing it quite often, I never had much desire. It didn't appeal to me. Little did I know that later in life, the very thing I was least interested in would become my saving grace. Throughout my childhood, I had done a few modeling jobs, but modeling wasn't something I was passionate about or aspired to do. I can't quite put my finger on it. What ignited the spark? What was it that made me want to seriously start pursuing modeling? Ultimately, an opportunity presented itself at the right time and right place. That opportunity led to many more. I then found myself not just enjoying modeling, but becoming better and better at it. Suddenly, these opportunities helped pull me out of a shell I didn't realize I was in. 
Modeling was literally transforming my life underneath my nose. From the ages of 17 to 28, I was stuck in a long-term, on-again and off-again, parasitic relationship, excuse me, parasitic relationship. The inconsistency and constant bickering had become a new normal for me. I didn't realize that I had lost myself and succumbed to a toxic relationship until I started filling old voids with new passion. Somewhere down the line, I lost my confidence, self-value, and ambition. I always had dreams of being excellent, but lost sight of them. I became extremely miserable and depressed. It didn't matter what was done. Peace and happiness never lasted. Over the years, so much pain and hurt had accumulated that it was nearly impossible to see or maintain any positivity. Being successful in modeling became a light for me. It gave me the confidence I lacked. It provided a getaway from life's troubles. For those few moments on the runway, I was able to transform into the woman I wanted to be. She was fierce, beautiful, and confident. Over time, the internal voice diminished. Parasitic relationships didn't have a place in my life anymore. I wanted to be better and do better. I was finally ready to manifest my destiny. I actually had this crazy bright idea that at the very least, I deserve respect, peace, and happiness. I finally decided I wasn't going to settle anymore until I got it. Then I got it. It clicked. I started practicing self-care and working on creating healthy dynamics in my life. I established standards and boundaries. I look back and am, and am in awe of where I am versus where I was. It's been a hell of a journey. Every day I'm learning, living, and growing while constantly working to become the woman I've always wanted to be. She is fierce, beautiful, and confident. That is today's I Finally Did It story. Congratulations, young lady. You have done something that many women are still trying to do. Kudos to you for finding yourself. And thank you so much for today's episode of Black, White, and In Color. I really hope it has helped you in some way. Um, If it has, please let me know. And until next time, stay tuned for more episodes of Black, White, and In Color. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Be blessed and have a wonderful day.